The Sunday Review with Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of The Sunday Review. We'll be hearing from the Samaritans about how small talk saves lives. Justin Kelly will be telling us about the social enterprise he runs that can equip you with the practical skills to save time and money. And Parmilla Mannon from Citizens Advice will be telling us about the community events they run in East Grinstead and Mid-Sussex. Samantha Day will be talking to Harvey Alexander from the East Grinstead-based Caravan and Motorhome Club. Carrie Overton finds out more about midlife fitness and the menopause from expert Fiona Coppard. And Paul Tolmy speaks to Susan Wakenall about the audio description service at the Hawth in Crawley. All coming up in this edition. A new survey by Samaritan shows that only half of UK adults feel confident approaching and speaking to someone they don't know if they're concerned about them in public. To address this issue, the organisation, in partnership with Network Rail, British Transport Police and the wider rail industry, has relaunched its Small Talk Saves Lives campaign to remind the public that even a small, simple question, like where can I get a coffee, can be life-saving. To tell us more, I'm joined by leading suicide prevention expert Dr Lisa Marzano and Anthony, whose life was turned around by a stranger when he was at his lowest point. Lisa and Anthony, thanks for joining me. Lisa, could you start by telling us a bit more about the research that underpins the campaign and what it's shown about the impact that small talk can have in preventing suicide? Hi, yes. Um, We've been doing work on suicide prevention in public places, including the railways, for many years. And I think one of the the important lessons we learned was that actually, you know, we can all play a part in, in preventing suicide, that, you know, suicide is complex, but preventable. And sometimes there'll be situations where a bit of small talk, it could be a comment about the weather, it could be asking somebody what the time is, or where they might be able to get a coffee, could be enough to interrupt or disrupt a, a suicidal thought. Um, you know, fortunately, we know that in many cases, suicidal thoughts and suicidal crisis are temporary. So acting at the right time can really make a difference. As the research shows, many of us feel hesitant to approach someone we don't know if we're concerned about them. What do you think are some of the reasons behind this reluctance and how can we overcome them? Yeah, well, we've asked people, you know, why they might not have intervened in a situation where <clears throat> they thought somebody was in distress. And often it's it's about confidence. It's worrying about saying the wrong thing. It's worrying about having misjudged the situation or potentially making it worse. Um, so it's really important to reassure people, actually, that there's no evidence that particularly something as neutral as, you know, a bit of small talk can make it worse. And, and there is evidence, indeed, that it could uh, potentially help save a life. Um, so it's overcoming, as I said, those confidence issues. And there might be situations where actually, it, you know, it doesn't feel safe to intervene or the, the person just isn't comfortable doing so. Um, so the campaign also reminds people that actually there's still an option to call for help in other ways. You know, if if the person might be at immediate risk, you know, you can call 999. If you're at a train station, there are over 27,000 members of staff who've been trained to manage um, those sorts of situations and to talk to somebody who's in crisis. So call for help in some other ways if you're concerned about somebody. Now, the campaign focuses particularly on public transport settings. Why do you think it's important to raise awareness of this issue in those specific environments? Well, I think it sort of came out of a partnership, a very, um, you know, sort of long-standing and and what's been a very successful partnership between uh, Samaritans and the rail industry. But I I think it is important to say that 
you know, we can intervene and, and I know that people do intervene in, in lots of other situations, even, you know, away from the rail stations, any public place, uh, indeed, even in sort of private places, people can and do intervene. So maybe it's important to sort of not think of it just in relation uh, to the railways. You know, we know, you know, sadly, every suicide is a tragedy and, you know, only a, a relatively you know, small proportion of, you know, four, only four to five percent of suicides actually happen in, in railway context. Um, so I'd encourage people to think about sort of small talk more broadly in, in, in lots of other situations. OK, now, Anthony, you've personal experience of how a simple question from a stranger can make a huge difference when someone's struggling. Could you tell us a bit more about that experience? Yeah, of course I can, Tim. Thank you. I seem to be at a very low point. I knew in myself that I wasn't feeling properly myself, but I was just managing. I was just going through the day to day. Uh, it were people around me that noticed I wasn't my normal self and that my drinking had increased. I just remember one morning feeling what could only be described as numb. I wasn't feeling anything. I wasn't thinking anything. I just remember uh, going for a drive and going on to just standing there, which I thought, well, I, I don't know if I was there minutes, seconds, hours. I was just stood looking at the Samaritan sign and a lady just came over and broke that concentration by saying something as simple as, do you want to get a coffee? Um, to which it, it snapped me out of my sort of, trance that I was in and I said no thank you and left uh, quite embarrassingly um, and that was a point that I thought right I need to seek some help. That small intervention obviously had a profound effect on you what would you say to someone who perhaps sees someone in a similar situation to yourself uh, but's feeling hesitant or unsure about how to start that conversation? I would just say Please don't overthink it. Please don't think you need to be qualified and you have the right words. Something as simple as asking if you know where to get a coffee, uh, are you feeling okay? Um, just something as small but as simple as that can make such a difference in somebody's life. It, it can just break away that thought and, and it only takes a second. So you don't need to be skilled or trained you just need to believe in yourself and have the confidence to approach now you yourself have since become a samaritans listening volunteer what made you want to get more involved i think it's so important on it for me uh, because it made me want to give back which is why i become a samaritan um, and i was able to give that back last year when i intervened um, and spoke to a lady who was looking to end a life and through the conversation the confidence to approach that conversation um it resulted in this lady getting the right sort of help she needs so i just think it's so important to know that the samaritans are there but also if you become a volunteer the training is so fantastic to enable you to have the confidence to have those conversations that's really great to hear um, is there anywhere that people can go to find out a little bit more information about some of the topics that we've spoken about today? Yes, of course. They can either, if they go on social media, they can look for the um, Samaritans on social media. Or, of course, they can go to www.samaritans.org. 
um, and get any information from there. Or if you are close by a branch, you can always pop in and have a chat with them. Fantastic. Anthony, Lisa, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank, Thank you, you. Bye. As Anthony mentioned there, you can find out more about the work the Samaritans do by visiting samaritans.org. That's samaritans.org. Or if you want to talk to someone in confidence, you can call free on 116 123 at any time. That number again is 116 123. We'll post the link to the campaign on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. Do you wish you could do more maintenance or DIY around the house? If so, how to basically a local social enterprise could help provide you with the practical skills that could save you time and money. It's the brainchild of Justin Kelly who joins me now. Justin, welcome to the show. Where did the idea for how to basically come from? Hi, Tim, and thank you very much for having me. Uh, how to basically really came about from me lying awake uh, in the middle of the night thinking to myself, wouldn't it have been great if there'd been somewhere I could have gone and I'd, where I could have been taught how to do all the basic life skills in a clear and concise manner you know, and have a go and ask the questions and so on. And the more I kind of thought about it, um, the more I thought, well, why isn't there somewhere like that? Uh, and so I decided to uh, set it up. You mentioned about wanting to do more yourself. What were your skills like then before you started on this enterprise? Um, well, I've, I'm 48 now, and I grew up before the internet and with parents who were not very DIY-minded, uh, but I liked doing property maintenance, and I would just try to kind of learn, teach myself how to do it, r endless trips back to the hardware shop to ask uh, ignorant questions about which raw plug to use and so on and uh, and gradually kind of learn how to do it and then obviously now with YouTube it's and, and the like it's fantastic but even then you might not have all the equipment there and know what to buy and also there's no one there showing you how to do it or if you're doing it wrong so I kind of thought to myself there's still this useful to have this type of place and I actually learn stuff still on our courses um and so it's a great benefit to me too so how long have you been running these courses for well i uh this time last year i uh took a rent on a, an old uh, bullpen in a farmyard and started uh converting it into a workshop uh, principally using kind of repurposed and salvaged materials and we started piloting the courses uh kind of in the summer of last year and I've been full-time on this now since September. So it's still relatively new, uh, but uh, it's been fantastic in the last kind of six months or so how much things have moved on. Now, I mentioned at the start that you're a social enterprise. Could you explain a little bit more about what that is exactly? Uh, a social enterprise generally is a, it's still a, a company, but we use our profits instead of issuing dividends to shareholders. We use them to... Uh, fulfill our social mandate which for us is to provide skills training to the less fortunate so we for example uh, have provided some uh, skills training for free to kids with autism or to people with chronic illnesses um, we uh, anybody who maybe is just facing particular challenges in life my wish is that everyone should have uh, uh, these practical life skills um, available to them if they want to learn about them. So 
um, you know, as and when we stop making profits, that's what we want to do with them. And what sort of practical life skills do you teach? You know, how to use a power drill around the house, you know, which raw plugs to use, drill bits, screw bits and that type of thing. And then also how to break up a pallet and make stuff from a pallet, whether it's a bird box, a shelf unit, a dog bed or whatever. Uh, but also painting and wallpapering, uh, car maintenance, uh, basic plumbing, and then also life skills for leaving home. Uh, you know, teaching teenagers, you know, how do you look after your white goods? You know, what is rinse aid and where do you put the washing powder? Um, and what's a stopcock and where do you, what do you do if your fuse trips on your fuse board? Uh, you know, just basic life skills, which, you know, it doesn't take long to teach, but um, if nobody's ever shown you, then you grow up just not knowing it and thinking you need to call a plumber around to fix a dripping tap when really it's, it should be within the, the, the skill set of, um, of many people. And do you teach to all age groups or is it primarily focused on younger people? Yeah, we do. Well, we teach generally from about 10 year olds and upwards. Um, and obviously, depending on the age of the person will affect what we teach um but so yeah generally from 10 year olds and upwards and you know you're never too old to learn a new thing i think um and so yeah we've taught people in their 60s and 70s who are realizing that you know it's it's, it's, it's why not why shouldn't they know how to do stuff so what's the response been so far for the classes and courses you run people just seem to love them um you know consistently people are saying it's just so great to have it explained in a clear and concise manner you know demystifying all the jargon and having a hands-on go at doing it and people are leaving the classes with a sense of confidence and a kind of can-do attitude um to, for the relevant subject and sometimes people have been brought along by a friend and they've said i never realized that i would want to know how to do this but now i know how to do it, it i feel so empowered um that it's you know incredibly satisfying for people you know both mentally and also you know financially you're saving money from having to get other people to do things for you and also environmentally it's good to the fact that you can learn how to fix things and have that you know less of a kind of throwaway attitude to stuff as you say we live in something of a throwaway society these days why do you think having the skills to repair and therefore reuse items is so important for us all to have you know, certainly, obviously, the cost of living crisis, but generally always, I think it's good for people to understand that they don't need to spend money unnecessarily and how to um, save it by doing it for themselves. Um, but also, I think in this digital age, you know, we're all in us, many of us are on screens so much, and it's just really mentally satisfying to do stuff with your hands and do kind of practical stuff. Um, and environmentally, I just feel like if we know how to look after things better and repair things and repurpose things then that's got to be better for the environment as well so have you had any instances where people have gone away and done amazing things with the skills that they've learned um well i certainly think you know people have come back to me saying you know it's great i put up this shelf or i fixed this leaking tap um and that's that's great for me because i just feel like it's just making those small differences in people's lives that you know and then hopefully give them the, uh, a window into then taking on new skills. So, you know, you might learn how to use a power drill and things. Then you think, well, why don't I learn how to fix a tripping tap or look after my car better um, or, uh, you know, gardening. We work with Julia Parker, um, who's a local self-taught gardener about how to, you know, grow your own vegetables, you know, in any size container. 
Um, and so I feel like it's a it's a general swell or a movement of things rather than it, we haven't any specific massive things, but um, that's that's good for me. So if we've inspired someone to learn some new skills today, how can they get in contact with you and come along to one of your classes? Uh, the easiest way is for our website at howtobasically.co.uk uh, where we've got uh, details of what we do. We're also on Instagram, um, How to Basically Sussex, uh, and on Facebook. Um, and uh, or just get in touch with me by email. I'm at jk at howtobasically.co.uk. Um, and it would just be great to hear what people are interested in doing, then to come along, check out what we're doing, um, and, yeah, hopefully uh, learn a new skill and feel better about things. And how much are the courses priced at? So normally each of our courses, they're three hours long, um, so either in the morning or in the afternoon, and they're £95 per person. Um, we do do kind of uh, bigger group uh, deals, particularly for uh, children. So, you know, we might take on, you know, 18 kids at a time, uh, and obviously we'll work out a price depending on, uh, you know, the, the group. Um and we do uh, holiday uh, half-term uh, sessions. We've got a few places left on our Easter holiday uh, wood class for kids. And that's uh, three mornings um, in a row. Um, and that's £120 for that one. Um, so, yeah, it depends. But generally, 95 quid per person for a three-hour session. Uh, you get uh, all the jargon demystified. You get a hands-on go at doing it. And, yeah, people seem to love it, which is great. And do people need to know anything before they come along or bring anything with them? Uh, they don't know. We presume everybody, uh, people don't know anything. Um, they're very welcome to bring along things of their own. Uh, for example, that you know, if you've got a power drill sitting in a cupboard and some drill bits and screw bits that you just don't know what to do with, you're very welcome to bring those along. And even the people who have come along and do know a bit seem to find that there are various hacks and tricks and things which they uh, uh, learn, which, is, which has been great. So, no, open for all um, and also for people with, you know, as I said, we've been teaching kids with autism recently um, and, uh, you know, we, we want to provide these to as many different types of people as possible. Now, it sounds as though you're doing quite a lot already, but do you have any plans on what you'd like to do next with the business? Well, I'm trying to build some more workshop space, uh, which is uh, coming along nicely. And we've had support from Micklemersh Bricks and from Mid-Sussex Timber in that regard and Southern Sheeting. So that's coming along. And in that space, I want to try to develop a bicycle maintenance um, aspect of things. Um, and also sewing. I'm quite keen to learn how to sew, uh, sewing and darning. So I'm in talks with a lady about uh, doing that. And... Yeah, we'll see. I mean, my aspirations are that there will be how to basically workshops in other places in the country. Um, you know, at the moment, we're just halfway between Haywards Heath and Upfield. Uh, we do also go out and about and have done delivered our sessions, you know, in other places and schools and stuff. Um, but, you know, I'm a Londoner originally. So, you know, I would like to set one up in London and in other parts of the country uh and in, even in other countries you know anywhere where people no longer know how to do things for themselves um where they just need to be shown and sort of be you know empowered to do that so we'll see i'm hoping hoping it will grow fantastic justin thanks so much for joining us today and all the best with the business going forward well thank you very much tim i'm really grateful for the opportunity to speak with you and i really hope to hear from people uh and tim maybe to see you on one of our courses <laughs> 
I could <laughs> certainly do with some helpful hints, I think. Uh, okay, cool. All right. Well, listen, th many thanks. For more information about the courses that Justin runs and to make a booking, visit howtobasically.co.uk. That's howtobasically.co.uk. We'll post a link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. If you want to improve your English, a series of classes are running at the library here in East Grinstead over the next few months. As well as building confidence, you'll also get the chance to meet new friends over a cup of tea or coffee. To tell us more, I'm joined by Parmilla Mannon from West Sussex Citizens Advice Community Engagement Team. Parmilla, welcome to the show. Now, many people will be familiar with Citizens Advice as somewhere that offers impartial, independent advice on topics such as consumer rights and financial matters. So what's the idea behind the community events such as these language classes that you're running? Hi, thank you for having me. So the idea behind the community engagement work is to empower the community and provide a space for residents to share the needs of the community. So, for example, for our engagement work, we found that there is a need for English classes in the Mid-Sussex area as language barriers can have an impact on various aspects of day-to-day -day life, including accessing uh, NHS services such as booking a GP appointment, um, any other like local support services or maybe like day-to-day -day life with transport, things like that. So, yeah, the idea is to empower the community, really. So just talking a little bit more about the language classes, when are they running? So our upcoming English uh, class is Friday the 3rd of March, Friday the 17th of March and Friday the 31st of March. Uh, the classes run from 1pm till 2.30pm and they run every other Friday. And is it just East Grinstead where the classes are running? Yeah, so we've also got um, English classes running in Burgessill too and our next English class in Burgessill will be on Wednesday the 8th of March at Cypress Hall and that's at no that's 9.30 to 11am. So we've spoken a little bit there about the language classes. What other events have you got running in the Mid-Sussex area? So in, in, in East Grinstead and Mid-Sussex, we also host a number of events which aim to share information on various support services in the local area. Um, it's, to base, it's to really create awareness of what support is out there because it can be quite hard to know what is out there. So the information sessions are on key topics such as energy support, employment support, um, universal credit, loads of different topics. And if there are any particular topics that the community would like to know more about, we can bring that to them. And it's a mixture of online and in-person. With, with our events as well, we'd like, we like to make it as accessible as possible. So for example, if there is a particular topic that community members would like to know more about, but there's a language barrier, we can provide translated materials or bring in an interpreter. And are there any costs for attending these events? No, with these events, there's no cost at all. You just, for our, um, for our information sessions, usually you just sign up for Eventbrite and we will forward you the Zoom link or forward you the details of uh, the location if it's an in-person event 
and with our English classes as well, they're completely free and they work as a drop-in. So there's no sign up for that. You just turn up and we go from there. And we also provide pens and paper, things like that. Fantastic. Now, I gather you also have a group of Mid-Sussex community champions. Can you explain a bit more about who they are and what they do? Yep. So our community champions are made up of residents who would want to build their knowledge on various topics, like I mentioned earlier, which includes employment support, um, universal credit, how to save money on your energy bills, and so, so many other topics. The idea is that our champions come along to our sessions, build their knowledge, and then they can cascade the information out to all their friends and family, which can ov overall um, improve access to information and create awareness of the local support services. Is there a way for people to find out a little bit more about the community champions role perhaps before signing up? Yeah, so we've got an online evening drop-in session on Wednesday the 1st of March, 6pm till 7pm, it'll be on Zoom and this is really a chance for, for the community to learn more about the community champions platform and share their views on what they would like to know more about or maybe they have missed one of our previous information sessions and would like to know more about that so we can share information on that too. So do the champions get advance notice of what's coming up and can they contribute to some of the topics that are covered? Yeah so we have a um, we have our own Facebook group called Mid-Sussex Diverse Champions that people can join to and we share all our events on there and just any other local information that we think might be useful for the community to be aware of. And we also, to be as accessible as possible, we engage with our community champions through various ways, including email, telephone and WhatsApp. Okay, so are you looking for any more community champions at the moment or volunteers in general? With our community champions, we're always looking for champions as it can, you know, really help the community and they can cascade the information and... I also wanted to mention that there's no commitments to being a champion. People can give as much or as little as they would like to the platform. And ultimately, we'd like the champions to shape the platform. And with volunteers in general as well, we're always looking for volunteers. There's a number of different opportunities available. People can work on our advice line uh, with our comms team, which includes working on social media, writing up newsletters. Uh, we also have various volunteer admin roles. There's something for everyone. So if someone's interested in coming along to one of the events or perhaps becoming a champion or a volunteer, what's the best way of getting in contact with you? So the best way to get in touch would be um, through our community engagement email, which is community.engagement at westsussexcab.org.uk or our telephone number. Uh, which is 01273 You can just leave a voicemail, let us know you're interested and we'll be in touch. That's great. Parmela, thanks for joining us today and sharing more about the community engagement work that you do. Thank you so much for having me. If you'd like to know more about the community champions and community engagement events being run by West Sussex Citizens Advice or become a volunteer with the service, email community.engagement at westsussexcab.org.uk. That's community.engagement at westsussexcab.org.uk. Or you can call them on 01273 
944460. That's 01273 944460. We'll post a link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. On the Wednesday Breakfast Show, Samantha Day spoke to Harvey Alexander from the East Grinstead-based Caravan and Motorhome Club. He joined her from the NEC in Birmingham, where this year's Caravan Camping and Motorhome Show is underway. There's so many people here. Um, they're all on our stand wanting to talk about their next adventure. Um, and they're also up here to see, you know, what new outfit they're going to buy or, or what, what little addition they're going to make to their outfit. Now, it's uh, going to be a bumper year, isn't it? They're predicting that for caravan and motorhome holidays. Uh, why do you think people are going for this? We've seen over the last few years that people have really appreciated getting into the great outdoors. And I guess, you know, the club is a fantastic way of being in your own outfit, controlling your own destiny, controlling your own costs and getting into the great outdoors whether you're cycling whether you're walking no matter what you're doing it gives you a great opportunity to explore the uk which i think we've seen so much of in the last few years and now we're getting a lot of members wanting to go overseas in fact you know we're at the stand here at the nec as you, as you mentioned and so many members even new to the club are saying i want to explore europe i want to go to italy or i want to go to france and it's just having that freedom isn't it it is freedom's a good word because i think freedom gives you that sense of control i think freedom means that on a friday night if the weather's nice and you've got a camper van on your drive you'd be silly not to get in it and drive you know half an hour down the road an hour down the road and spend you know another night out enjoying really what, what you love doing now people are really are intending to make the most of their holidays this year um, because it hasn't been a great time has it over the last three years no, and I think you're right. We've seen so many advanced bookings. I think people have really thought about their forward planning. They've thought about what they want to do this year. And members love going away. So they will go away with us four, five, six times a year. But what we've actually seen is they're extending their stays and there's there's more holidays being booked. And like I said, there's there's that traditional member who will tour the UK and then maybe go abroad after four or five years. That's come much, much earlier now. So we've got members who've been with us a year or two, and they all want to explore, you know, have another opportunity to go abroad, but in a different way this time. Mm. Are they um, saving money, though, by, you know, going out on the road with their camper vans or whatever? Well, part of being a membership organization, we pride ourselves in trying to save members money when they're touring. So every member will save £15 a night compared to a non-member when they stay with us. There are amazing deals that they have on, say, everyday touring essentials um, and on days out, which we, which can be really expensive for families in particular, we've got 50% savings on a range of different days out and um, things that you can do, whether it's, you know, a zoo, a historical location, there's loads of things to do. And what we do find is that a number of members will actually um, plan their holiday around the offers and promotions. Now, it doesn't matter, really, does it, if you're glamping, caravanning, motorhoming or campervanning. Uh, it's it's going to be big this year. It is, yes. And, and we've seen that across all of the different types of ways to explore the UK. Um, certainly from a glamping experience, we, we introduced glamping on our sites probably six years ago now. And what we didn't realise at the time was it's given our members a great opportunity to bring their friends. So, yeah. you know, a member's been 
caravanning or motorhoming for 10 years but their friends don't normally do it with them well now they can they can bring them they can stay in a glamping pod or a safari tent and we've seen this also increase in this multi-generational family so you know you may have the camper van you might bring your kids who then stay in a safari tent it's just it was working really well for people that want to share that experience with their you know with their loved ones so what is the Caravan and Motorhome Club? Uh, what are they predicting as regarding putting money back into the local economy? So we've just done a, a research study with the Centre for Economics and Business Research, which have said that our members will spend £420 million in local economies, which is obviously really important to those local economies that rely on tourism, because those, that money spent is going to be on all of those things that make that, that location what it is. So 80% of our members will spend on food and drink in that location, and 60% will, um, they've said, will we'll obviously have takeaways or, or experience um, different things there, which, which I think, again, just all helps those local economies survive during what has been a quite a difficult period and, um, and then keep that money within that, that, that local area. Mm. I mean, that is so good, isn't it? It's what we need to try and get the country back on track again. Indeed. At the show today, you've either got people that actually own homes or they're looking to perhaps buy one or hire one how does that work indeed there's there's so many different options for you here um we found that there's a lot of people that are coming to the club saying look i'm interested in buying a camper van or buying a motorhome but i really like to try it first and i want to try it with you guys because you know we we do look after our members so you can hire from the club and we partner with a company called spaceship rentals who if you go to camc Dot com. You can find all the details there, but it's a great way of trialing it out, trying out a different size of outfit as well. You may find that you're a camper vanner or a motorhomer or the complete reverse, not knowing what you were before you started. Mm -hmm. But at the show, there's so many options and so many different variants of of outfits that, for you to see. It's really um, it's really good to come and make an informed decision when, you know, you probably got your choice of three motorhomes or camper vans that you want to look at and then you can compare them side by side. The report shows that motorhome owners' average holiday length is nearly a whole day extra at 8.5 nights. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting one because our motorhomers are much more spontaneous than our caravanners now, and that's just that's just a fact in terms of their holiday behaviours. But what we've found now is that motorhomers intend to stay a little bit longer, and we think that is because what they'll do is they'll explore maybe more regions where a caravanner will stay maybe you know three or four nights in a in a place before moving on a motorhomer could change every single night they could go every single night to a different location um just because it's it's easier now when i go with the family we go with a we go in a caravan i've got three children so we do tend to stay in that location and then when i go with my brother we take a camper van and we do change location we do a lot of cycling so we will change locations probably every one or two nights so you can see why they're going to extend their stays and maybe go a little bit longer mm -hmm. but if they're booking with you they obviously are going to choose so many nights is that right that's right. Absolutely. So what they'll do is they'll they'll probably plan their holiday. Um, we've got a fantastic new app where members can book multiple campsites all at the same time. So they'll plan their holiday. And actually, if they decide, you know what, I want to change and go to a different site, 
then the site staff can sort that out and they can do that on the day for them without any penalty. Now, you're looking around the show, obviously, to see what's out there. Are people looking to buy or to stay hiring? No, there's so many people here looking to buy. I think that um, what we faced is a shortage of caravans and motorhomes and camper vans. So people have probably had this on their list for a, a year or so. Mm. And now that things production-wise have, have um, improved, they are coming to either double check the one that they've bought and have a proper look at it or they are coming to um, buy something new and that could be brand new to the pastime or or just a change of model i know that you know there are a number of people that when you go through those different life stages maybe the kids grow up you might want something smaller or you might then come out of a caravan into a motorhome and we've definitely seen that within our membership you know the rise in motorhome owners has increased exponentially over the last few years I'm sure it has. It's just this, I think it's this freedom thing, isn't it? It is. And and and, and that is the right word. It is freedom. It is the ability to control. Um, when, you know, we've been through quite a, a torrid period of, of having little or no control, it felt like. Now to be able to have that control of your destiny, have that control of your days out, have that control of your holidays is, is actually gone right up the priority list of people and, and certainly has with our members. Have you found, though, at the show, there's a lot bigger vehicles that people have or are looking at to buy? It's not so much the size. What I would say is that um, a lot more spec on the outfits now. So whereas a number of years ago, having USB ports or having Wi-Fi built in, that's almost becoming standard now. So the technology is moving on and, you know, the creature comforts, the 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 plushness of the interiors is just continuing to improve every single year so certainly you can still get those um those smaller camper vans those smaller outfits right up to those big ones um but you know i think that's the beauty of it you can every there's a there's a camper van or or a motorhome to suit every type of member Alfie alexander in conversation there with samantha day if you'd like to find out more about the caravan and motorhome club visit camc.com that's camc.com. We'll post the link on Twitter at SundayReview107 or on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. On Wellbeing Weekly on Tuesday, Carrie Overton spoke to midlife fitness and menopause expert Fiona Coppard. I am a personal trainer, level three, and um, I specialise in menopause and um, menopause nutrition so helping women to go from peri to postmenopause and finding solutions to help them sort out how to live their best lives with it fantastic i think there's quite a demographic out there <laughs> yeah <laughs> which i put myself in <laughs> yes yeah it's a very big growing demographic of ladies out there that are menopausal so. well it's interesting you were saying when we were chatting just before the show that it's the largest yeah it's the biggest demographic of women in the workplace now um who are going through menopause so from the ages of 40 plus to 55 60 um they are the biggest biggest people that are being employed um now and they're obviously going through menopause um perimenopause and postmenopause and this is why workplaces are having to be a lot more sort of sympathetic towards mm. the um menopause situation and as you know probably with the government at the moment they're trying to do the um make some rules um about 
menopause at work now and, and it's all being put out there which is great it's, it's yeah. a good topic well I think that people like Davina McCall have done a lot of work to sort of demystify the fact that it's just oh your period stop and you get hot flushes yeah, and then absolutely. you come out the other end that actually quite how much is affected by the menopause and the change in your hormones yes yeah I mean it's um it can totally uh, railroad a lady that's uh, been normal and being able to carry on with her life and then suddenly she become really anxious and, and uh, can't concentrate because she's got brain fog and she's got, you know, heavy periods and just everything going on and, and all her, the rest of her life is sort of like falling apart. Um, you know, she could have elderly parents that she's having to look after. Um, she could have children still at home that are, are sort of lazy and not doing that, <laughs> pulling their weight. Um, and, you know, going through her own health issues, there could be, you know, uh, marriages go through quite a lot at this time as mm. well um, because we're all changing. Mm. So um, there's a lot to deal with through mm. through these perimenopause and menopause times. So, And also, I suppose that 50 years ago plus women in their 40s and 50s and 60s were no longer playing quite such an active role in society certainly not in the workplace but were more likely to have you know coming to the end of child raising and then I mean I remember my grandmother at 55 so pretty similar to how old I am now and she was an old lady yeah I think women yeah. were they were they were sort of depicted as the, the the woman that stayed at home and they had their little aprons around them and they had the blue rinse and things like that <laughs> and that's how women were then yeah. um and they were mainly staying at home and also women didn't live as long mm. years ago um so now we are potentially living 30 plus years post-menopause so right. we need to sort of look at our future health, not just what's happening in the perimenopausal stage where we go through a lot of the symptoms. We've got to think about things like our bone health, um, muscle, our, our brain health and everything else um, and our mental health because it's a big issue with mental health through menopause mm. too. And that's an interesting point that you raise because I think a lot of the discussion about menopause is around identifying when you're perimenopausal and going through it and alleviating the symptoms but I think I haven't thought about it from the perspective that you've just raised of mm. actually there's potentially 30 years post-menopausal I mean that's a huge yeah, part of a, your life yeah, it's a big part of your life and it should be the best part of your life really mm. because this is the time of life that when you don't give a damn yeah. you don't have to people please <laughs> anymore <laughs> so it's it's quite good to feel quite liberated in a way um through not having to have periods anymore mm. and being a bit more wise that the you know men um, women of menopausal age were sometimes sort of seen as the wise woman right. um because people could come to them for advice and things like that about life issues mm. and i think that's true i think mm. we do look at life differently once we get into um post-menopause and it isn't all about the body image mm. so much. Um, it's about being fit and well mm. and looking after yourself and making sure that those last few, you know, 30 years, well, it's not a few years, is it? It's a long time, that there are really good, healthy years rather than being ones where you're plagued by illness and, and um, you know, not being able to move so well or um, think so well or do anything so well. It's, it's just mm. you, you have to really take care of that. Um, and some people just put up with it. Mm. You know, 35% of women think it's something they have to put up with right and they just have, they just have to get on with life um and a lot of them don't go and seek help but there's so much help out there and you know with met with hrt with alternative treatments and things like that there's so much we can do to make everything be a lot better so what symptoms 
should people be looking out for? So usually the, the most common symptoms that women find is that they're getting a bit hot. So mm. there's hot flushes, there's brain fog. Um, brain fog can be quite um, demoralising because you think, you know, a lot of women might start to think that they're getting dementia. You, you know the feeling, you go into a room, you forget why you've gone in there. Mm. Um, you can't quite concentrate on things. You haven't got that focus, that really good focus that you have when you're young. Um, being able to read a book and being able to really enjoy that book without having to think, actually, I can't get into this and have to put it down. Mm. Um, not being able to do the work that you normally do. You're forgetting things you, and people will notice it, you know. So brain fog is a big, big mm. thing. Um, luckily, uh, post-menopause, that tends to sort of diminish right. a, a, a year after your period has stopped. So mm. you start to sort of come out the other side and things get a bit more clear. But with that brain fog can come anxiety. And a lot of women find that they become very anxious in these perimenopausal years. Um, I know myself, I didn't like driving at night when um, I was going through my perimenopause. Um, and now that's gone. I'm fine now. I can drive at night again. But, you know, it's just things that come up that you just wonder what's happening to you. Your bones, your muscles hurt more um, and you, you feel a lot older than you are, which yeah. isn't great. Um, you start to feel a little bit less confident about yourself and, and judge, you know, you start to sort of, you know, think, am I am I OK? What's happening to me? You lose your self of identity mm -hmm. um, and a lot of women suffer badly with like headaches they can be another thing sex lives obviously mm. um, can change and how that all goes on and that's a subject actually that's not very touched on and people don't tend to talk about I'm trying to bring that into the fore I'm starting some menopause and martini parties <laughs> so um, that sounds amazing. yeah so I, I'm, I'm trying to get groups of girls to get together to have their friends round and have a few drinks together not too many because mm. alcohol menopause don't go very well but a couple of drinks together just get a girly night going and I'd be able to sit and talk about menopause and and all the things that we don't necessarily talk about menopause what should people do if they start noticing those symptoms so there's lots of things you can do. I mean, you don't automatically have to go on HRT, but that, that is a route that a lot of women would like to go down because they feel that they've heard a lot about it and they think that that's going to make them feel a lot better. And, and for a lot of women, it does. So, I mean, to start with, what I would do is make a list of your symptoms and what's happening. So you've got a, a diary um, that you can take along to the doctor mm. and then go along to the doctor and just say, look, I, I'm I'm perimenopausal I've got all these symptoms I've logged them all down um, I'd like to try HRT because a lot of doctors before if you were going in saying you were feeling a little bit anxious or depressed they were giving women um, antidepressants yeah. when really that's not what they needed they needed some HRT and of course there was a lot of controversy with HRT years ago because of you know um, causes of breast cancer and things like that but that's all been sort of talked about and mis, you know, misplaced, really. And they've brought out these new HRT products now, which are very safe. Mm -hmm. And they are in the forms of um, sprays, gels and patches that women can use. So there's Estragel and Lanzetto Spray and Estradot and Estraderm. They're all sort of uh, HRT. And then Eutogestin, which is a progesterone, which most people would be on. I won't go into the ins and outs of it, obviously, because it's it, it's quite a deep subject yeah. that you could go into and speak for hours about. But... Um, they're the sorts of things that the doctor would would put you on. They would also then get you to go back and see them after three months and just check that the doses were right and that you were feeling okay on it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women, they go on HRT, they feel fantastic. Some women it doesn't suit, so they, they decide to come off of it. 
So if you decide not to go down the HRT route, then you need to start looking more holistically at your lifestyle. Um, so we're talking about, you know, the t- type of exercise you're doing, what sort of nutrition you're eat, uh, having, whether you can add things into your diet to make you feel better. So some isoflavins and some phytoestrogens, plant-based products that you can use like chickpeas and things like that, that add them into your diet right. and they can help um, mimic sort of estrogen type things in your body. Okay. So um uh, that's why we talk about eating a lot of legumes and chickpeas and pulses and lentils and, you know, plant-based foods mainly and, and lots of oily fish. Right. So trying to get your two portions of your oily fish in um, because that can help with your brain health and your heart health and things like that. Um, so um, and then obviously looking more holistically at um, stress levels and your sleep pattern mm. and what you're doing, because all those things can have a massive effect on your mood and, and how you deal with your menopause. Mm. Um, and sometimes um, CBT therapy, right? Um, that can help because obviously people can go and then talk and, and try and talk through the issues that they're having, which can help them sort of like feel better about themselves. Mm. Acupuncture is another thing, for right. especially for hot flushes. Uh, I know when I had my breast cancer, they gave me, um, I was having terrible hot flushes because of menopause as well. And they, they jammed all these needles in me and it was lovely. It just stopped the hot <laughs> flushes. So, so yeah, I mean. Because yeah, they uh, are really debilitating hot flushes, yeah, aren't absolutely. they? You know, absolutely. it's not just, oh, I'm getting a bit warm. It is yeah. that absolute... I used to feel them sort of come up from my, almost from my feet. And that's you right, feel, that's and right. you think, here, here we go. Yeah, and it can be really embarrassing and yes. debilitating for yeah. women. I mean, especially if they're at work and, yeah. they're, and they're trying to sort of do a presentation, say, or talk to a group of people and then suddenly a hot flush comes yeah. up and, and, yeah, it can be very uh, embarrassing for them. Um, it shouldn't be, but it can be. The exercise, the eating properly and yeah. sleeping properly, that's that sort of combination is really Is really critical. important. And then you can add in supplements as well you know there's different supplements out there like sage and red clover black cohosh um there's uh, you see all these um brands called men you know well, men men something, something. Yes. Uh, <laughs> i won't say the name um but you can use you know can take those and they can sometimes help with the symptoms so right. um drinking lots of water not drinking too much alcohol because alcohol is not a menopausal lady's friend <laughs> so thinking about exercise i know mm. a lot of um women in their 40s and 50s and 60s and they say my body's changed shape you know you get that uh, sort of menopause tummy everything (laughs) seems to go on the tummy what can you do about that well (laughs) we can't really change our body shape unfortunately as we get older we do naturally get bigger it's not it's just what happens and nature's very good at putting some extra weight on around our hips so that if we fall we hopefully don't break our hips which is a whole number of other problems that come come on But um, obviously, um, the weight around the middle is where it goes because there's estrogen receptors all over our body and we tend to carry quite a lot of those. It's seeking out the estrogen, the fat seeking out the estrogen. And so the middle is always the place where it's all going to sit. So we need to look at doing exercise differently. So doing some more weight um, resistance exercises. So using weights or resistance bands or weight machines in the gym or kettlebells, things like that, rather than doing hours of cardio, because hours of cardio are not going to do anything. They're just going to stress your body now at this time of life and cause more cortisol, and then cortisol goes around the body and then causes more fat gain. <laughs> so it's uh, you know it's um, really important that you start to change the way you exercise. So I would suggest two to three 
sessions of resistance training a week two probably okay if you're going to add in other things so but if you're not doing anything else then I'd say make it three um, and so if you're doing the two uh, of half an hour of weights um, would be enough and then do a yoga or Pilates class because obviously Pilates can help with your strength as well and yoga with that can help with relaxation and, and meditation and just well-being uh, makes you feel nice especially if you do a nice stretching yoga class because our bodies need to stretch we get very stiff and mm. and um, yoga can help and then getting out in nature it's free you can go for a walk it makes you feel better it helps with the melatonin which helps you sleep better gives you the the good uh, dopamine in your brain to help you feel happier which can lift mood in menopause so exercise is a must in menopause not right. it's not it's non-negotiable the thing I would say is that a lot of women are very, very tired in menopause and the last thing they feel like they want to do is exercise. So you've got to find something that you like to do um, and don't don't force yourself into it straight away. I mean, just to start gradually, find something you like doing, even if it's just going for a walk for 20 minutes, half an hour mm. and then and then gradually build it up. But mm. I mean, the worst thing you can do is like go full at it and then just absolutely hate it and be absolutely exhausted even more. So um, should people who are older eat less? Yes, yes. I mean, unless you're like really going to town with the weight training. and you're, okay. But we should eat more protein as menopausal women because of the muscle, trying to keep the muscle um, gain there. Um, so protein obviously helps us to do that. So thinking about eating good lean protein, you know, fish and chicken and turkey and things like that. Um, that's a good way to maintain the muscle. Fiona Coppard chatting to Carrie Overton. You can hear the full interview on our Listen Again service on meridianfm.com. To find out more about Fiona and the sessions that she runs, visit smartnutritionandfitness.uk. That's smartnutritionandfitness.uk. We'll post a link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. On his mid-morning show on Tuesday, Paul Tolmy found out more about an audio description service at the Horth Theatre in Crawley from coordinator Susan Wagnall. It's a service uh, staffed by volunteers who provide a description of live shows for customers who are blind or who are partially sighted. What we do is we describe the action that our customers can't see so that we're trying to give them as full a uh, experience of the theatre as any customer who is fully sighted. The Hawth advertises in its brochure and on online which shows it thinks are suitable for audio description. So if people want to book, they can request the audio description in advance. And what we then do is we will meet them at the theatre and provide them with uh, appropriate headsets. And so they are receiving a commentary on their headset as the show is going live. We are actually watching the show in a different room on a monitor. Um, so we describe what is going on or try and prepare them for anything that's unexpected that might happen. For example, if you can't see what's happening, a sudden gun gunshot may terrify you. So we would try and warn our customers of that sort of thing in advance. And it's important to say as well that it doesn't affect anybody else in the, that's watching in the theatre either. That's right. Because we're in a separate um, location, anybody sitting around our particular customers 
won't be able to hear anything, but our customers will be having the dual experience of the live show plus a commentary. Um, so it enhances their experience. It shouldn't affect anybody else's. We mentioned Rose Alien Ellis, who won Strictly last year, has done a lot for the deaf. So there seems to be a lot more accessibility in theatres now and other, and other performance venues. Yes, I think that's true. And I think that's as it should be. We should be able to provide a situation where customers, regardless of any accessibility issues, can come into the theatre and can enjoy the show the same as anybody else. It just requires a little more forethought and planning to make sure that that can happen smoothly. Mm. And it's not just the shows as well. You also, I understand, do the uh, recording of the horse brochure as well. That's right, we do. The brochure is produced three times a year and we provide a recording each time. That recording then goes on to the Horths website on their access page, so you can find it there. Or you can request that the Horth actually sends you a copy of it on CD. Brilliant. So tell us how, we can, how people can um, get involved if they think this is from me. Uh, the easiest way would be to email the Horth. The email address is Horth marketing at parkwoodtheatres.co.uk and you can just express an interest there and Steve Crane uh, who's the manager there will come back to you. Um, we'll talk you through what the commitment is and you'll have a chance then to ask any questions and consider whether it might be for you and if you are then the next stage will be to put your name forward for uh, two full days of training and some practice sessions so that you feel com comfortable if and when you decide to go live as one of our audio description team. Susan Wakenall talking there to Paul Tolmy about the volunteer audio description service at the Hawth Theatre in Crawley. And if you're interested in finding out more, email hawthmarketing at parkwoodtheatres.co.uk. That's hawthmarketing at parkwoodtheatres.co.uk. And that's it for the latest edition. We've got all the information on the features you've heard today on Twitter at SundayReview107 or on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. I'll be back on air next Sunday morning from 10am on 107 Meridian FM or on meridianfm.com or you can download the latest podcast. Until then, take care and have a great week ahead.